and the invisible war that is going on around us. The invisible war. Look in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. We're just going to read two verses this morning, verses 10 through 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let us bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we just come to seek your face. We bind every power and influence of the enemy, Lord God, who would come in and seek to distract us, Lord God, and not hear what you would have to say. Open our eyes, Father, to this truth, Lord God, that we are not alone in this world and that the things that we see and can touch and taste is not it. It's not everything. Help us to be wise, Lord God, to be able to see the root cause of many of our problems and to learn how to fight back. We pray, Father, for your presence to be here. Just have your way in this service. Use me, Father, as an unworthy vessel to declare the truth and we may be able to stand against this enemy, Lord God, who seeks to destroy us. Have your way, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about the invisible war. God got on me last week and told me that when I was talking to you about spiritual warfare, that I assumed that everybody is aware of what I'm talking about. And he told me that I tried to put too much into one message. And therefore, when you do that, things don't always become clear. And so he told me to slow down, go back and walk through this methodically because what we are facing is an enemy who will take advantage of our ignorance. And so I want to talk to you this morning again about this invisible war. Now, as we start, I want to see if you remember. In 1999, there was a Hollywood blockbuster film that hit the theaters called The Matrix. Does anybody remember The Matrix? Everybody was talking about The Matrix when it came out. The movie was about a character named Neo who was living in what he thought was the real world. But what he didn't know was that he was actually living in something called the Matrix, which was a computer-generated world that was being controlled and manipulated by something called the One. The One was using computers to harvest humans and feed off of the electricity from their bodies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, everything in the Matrix was designed to keep Neo and all the other humans thinking that they were living in the real world. The computers kept them focused on eating sandwiches and watching movies and playing games and doing all of the normal courses of things in the human life, all while hiding the fact that in a world outside the Matrix, there was a real war that was going on. 
those in the matrix were totally oblivious to this real world and the war that was going on in it. They thought that what they could see and touch and taste and feel was the real thing, but the world outside the matrix was actually more real than what they were experiencing inside of the matrix. If you know the story, what happened is one day a man named Morpheus, who lived in the real world, came to Neo and told him that there was a world outside of the matrix and that he could offer freedom to him. All he had to do was take this little blue pill. And this little blue pill, Neo thought had magical powers, but it actually didn't have magical powers. All it was was a tracking device that would allow Morpheus to locate him inside the matrix so that he could set him free. The point is, once that Neo got out of the matrix, he was amazed to discover that he had been living inside two worlds. He was living inside two worlds. One was inside of the matrix. The other one was in the real world in which there was a war which futuristic computers that were seeking destroy him and all other human beings like him. Now, this Matrix movie actually has a lot in common to the Christian life. The Bible teaches that we live in two worlds. Now, we don't live in a world that's controlled by computers, or, or maybe we do. How many of you know that if you got rid of these computers, we'd be back in the Stone Age? You ever been inside a grocery store when the power go out? You take away these computers, people can't even compute your talent. You, you never get out of that store. But that's, that's not my point. The truth is, listen, God told me to back this up. Listen, the truth is we live in two different worlds right now simultaneously. One is the natural world. This is the world we're all familiar with. This is the world in which you can see and touch, taste and feel. It's the world in which we operate and live our lives. But the truth of the matter is the Bible teaches that you live in a totally separate world at the same time you're living in this world, a world you cannot see, a world you cannot touch called the spirit world. Now, we're all familiar with this natural one, but we also live in the spirit world. Now, I know that some of us, when I started this series, you're looking at me kind of crazy saying, Pastor, I think you're going a little off in the deep ends. You're talking about the spirit world. You're talking about angels. You're talking about demons. You're talking about all of these different things. And I'm not familiar with that. But the truth of the matter is the Bible teaches you are living in two different worlds. And it's not crazy when you think about it. The Bible says in John 4 and 24 that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit, he must have a place in which he lives or which he has domain in. And therefore, there is a world in which he habitates. The Bible says that angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. Satan is a spirit. And whether you know it or not, you are a spirit too. Hang on. You are a spirit. The Bible teaches over and over again that you have a spirit that is coexisting in the spirit world. There are many scriptures that teach that you are a spirit, but let me just give you one. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, notice what the scripture says. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify or set you apart completely. You see the colon there, don't you? 
And it says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Do you see that there? Paul says that your whole body, he wants the wholeness of you to be preserved blameless. And he says that there is a spirit, a soul, and a body. So in other words, the the way you should understand this is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Okay, follow along with me. This body is what makes us function in this material world. This body allowed the whole purpose, the only purpose of this body is so that we can function in this three-dimensional world that we live in. It allows us to touch and to taste and to feel. Without this physical body, if I went to touch this, my hand would just go through it because spirits don't have bodies. Do you remember the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 39, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he came back and appeared before his disciples and he said, come, touch me, come feel my wounds. He says, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. The flesh is what allows us to live in this world, but our spirit man is what makes us conscious to the spirit world. Our spirit inside us is what makes us know and be able to communicate with God, and so we have a spirit as well. Now, the spirit, most of us only focus in on the material way, the things that we can see, the things that we can touch, but this spirit world is more important really than what we see in this physical world. Because everything in the spirit is what is influencing what we do in the natural. Now, let me try to get your way. Let me help you understand as I walk through this. Now, in the spirit world, there are two kingdoms. There are two kings. You need to understand this. And these two kingdoms are at war. We're talking about spiritual warfare, so I want to explain how we get there. There are two kingdoms in the spirit, and they're at war. One we know is the kingdom of God. Everybody knows this, right? The Bible says that God existed from the beginning. Now, I know that may be hard for some of us to understand, but the Bible says that God has always existed. Now, we look at that and say, well, how can God always exist? Because we are a function of time. We live in a world and a dimension of time, but you got to remember God lives in eternity, so there is no time. So when you say, well, he had to have a beginning, not if you live in eternity, because there is no time to where you need a beginning, right? The Bible says that God was there from the beginning and that when he was there, there was peace in the Godhead. And it said at some point, God decided that he was going to create some other spirit beings. He was going to create some other things. And he created some angels. And the purpose of these angels were to serve him. They were going to worship him and they were going to glorify him. And when God created these angelic beings, the Bible says that there was peace in heaven. But at some point, one of the angels rebelled against God. We know his name is Lucifer. Amen. And the Bible says that Lucifer rebelled against God and he decided that he wanted to be God as well. He decided that he looked good, that he had all these rumors and diamonds on him and that he could sing and that he was a good worship leader and that he was full of wisdom and that he was worthy of worship and praise just like God was. And the Bible says that when God discovered what he was doing, that he kicked him out of heaven. He beat him down, if you would. And the Bible says that God judged him and he sentenced him to die in hell in damnation for eternity. The problem was his execution was in a date in the future. 
And so God, between the time of his date and his execution, God kicked him out of heaven and Lucifer went down to earth. But here's the thing. Before Lucifer went down to earth, the Bible says that he was smart enough to deceive a a, a third of the angels. Now, we don't know how many angels this is, but the Bible talks about myriads and myriads and thousands of angels, so many that the eye, you can't number them. And so when Lucifer deceived this third of the angels, they essentially became his followers and he became their king. Come on, somebody. And so what you had is you had Lucifer as the king of the kingdom of darkness fighting against or resisting God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven. And you have these two spiritual kings trying to fight. Now, one thing is that's where the spiritual war initiated. The problem is, is that one is inferior to the other. Lucifer is not in a position to really fight God. So you can imagine he's sitting around in the spirit world frustrated and upset because there ain't nothing he can do because he can't beat the real true God. Okay, fast forward. What happens is God then later decides to create another type of being. This being that he created is unique among all the others. This new being that he created, mankind, has a spirit, but he also has flesh and blood something that spirit beings do not have. And then God decides to put them on this earth in a planet that they can cohabitate and have on their own. You've got to understand this. When God created man, man had nothing to do with the war. This war was already going on in the spirit. Man was neutral. We had nothing to do with it. The war was between God and Satan fighting each other. So God creates man, man comes on earth, Satan sees this, he can't beat God, he can't do nothing, he can't penetrate his kingdom. So he said, well, if I can't beat God, then I want to go after what God treasures, what's important to God. And he sees that God loves man because, you know, everything that God was doing demonstrated that he loved man. You made him perfect. You made his own world. You never made a world for us. And we angels, we've been here worshiping you. You ain't never made no world for us. You made him the ruler of this world. You gave him authority to rule. We ain't got no authority to rule no earth. You gave him companionship. You gave him Eve. You know, you gave him the ability to procreate. Angels can't procreate. And not only that, the Bible says that he made man in his own image, something that he could never do. And no angel in the Bible is made in the image of God. And so when Lucifer saw this, watch this, when Lucifer saw this, he said, hmm, I can't beat God, but I tell you what I will do. I'm going to go after what's important to God. And you know the story. The Bible says that Lucifer went to mankind and he deceived him to eat the fruit. And when man ate the fruit, the Bible says that man died. But here's the thing that I don't think Adam understood. When Adam ate of that tree, watch this, because he made a willful decision to disobey God, when he chose to follow Satan instead of the God, Satan actually became his king. Watch this. I'm trying to show how we are involved in the war. Watch this. So man is on earth. Satan gets him to deceive. When, when he got Satan, when he got man to disobey the God and to follow this God, God is in a position to where he said, wait a minute, I gave mankind the ability for free will. And I can't force him to do anything. So because man made the conscious decision to say, I'm not going to follow you, I'm going to follow you. In essence, what he did was he chose to leave and go to him and Satan actually became his king. Watch this. And the Bible said that when he did that, mankind became a slave to the kingdom of darkness. 
whether we knew it or not. We became a slave. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, notice what it says. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey or who you obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Watch this. So when he made the decision not to obey the God, but to obey this God, he became a slave of the kingdom of darkness. Watch this. And when he became a slave to the kingdom of darkness, everything that he owned became Satan's. That means all the authority, the right to rule, the right to lead this earth became Satan. In fact, the Bible says repeatedly that Satan is the God of this world. How did he become the God of this world? Because the one who was in charge of this world decided to give him the authority to rule it. Watch on. So watch this. For example, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Jesus says, or Paul says, Satan, who is the God of this world, world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Right now, Satan is the God of this world. He don't own the world, but he has been given the legal authority to rule it by man. We know this is true because even when he came to Jesus Christ and he says, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus never corrected him. Do y'all remember that? So Jesus did not dispute this. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Let me, let me say, let me try to show you where this is going. Now, how many know that God is good? And you know I'm going to work the gospel in here some kind of way, some way, shape, or form. I'm always going to put the gospel in it. Watch this. So we became servants or slaves of Adam and all of his children, but God says, I'm not going to let it go down like that. And he says, even though that you all have messed it up, and even though you deserve exactly what you get, I'm going to make a way to pay for the sins of what you all have done. Watch this. So when you look, look, when you look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God makes a promise that he was going to correct the error that we had made. Amen. And so what happens is even though we had made the mistake, God came himself to fix the problem that we had made, right? And he made the, the availability to come back into right relationship with him, he made that available for us to have, right? So now, even though we are slaves of the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of darkness, we now have the opportunity to leave his kingdom and go to this kingdom. I don't know if you got it yet. Hang on. You are slave to this one. He's your God. He's your master. You're hopeless. You have no way to get out. God sees our problem. He says, I'm going to make a way for you to get out. Here's the caveat. In the same way, though, that you chose to go into sin, you're going to have to choose to come back to me. Watch this. In the same way that you chose to leave from up over here and go to here, you're going to have to turn around and choose to come back to me up over here. Watch this. So here's the spiritual warfare. Satan sees this, and he knows that God has given us. You remember last week I said that the Bible says that God has given us every spiritual blessing in heaven, in the heavenly places. He knows that God has given us every spiritual blessing, everything that we need. And you know what he says? I would rather kill you than let you go and leave my kingdom. Watch this. Rather than let you go up over there, I'd rather kill every last one of y'all before I let you go. 
Watch this. So the warfare is I'm going to do everything within my power, everything within my ability, everything that I can do to kill you, to afflict you, to oppress you, to stop you from reaping what God has for you up over here. So even though everything is yours, my goal is to stop you from getting it. Now, when you go back to Ephesians chapter 6, hopefully this makes more sense. Look back there at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. His goal is to destroy you and stop from receiving anything that God has. Look back at verse 12. Maybe this makes more sense. He says, this is why he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Do you see that? He's saying your real problem, I tried to lay this out last week, your real problem is not flesh and blood. The real problem, listen, flesh and blood, physical body. It's not things in this material world, these things that this physical body interacts with. It's not flesh and blood. It's not Christina. Watch this. It's not necessarily your boss. I'm not saying your boss may not have a problem. I'm just saying he's not the real source of the problem. Choir rehearsal, they're coming in late. Boy, I ain't getting no amens even from the choir directors or anything. Wait a minute now. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Wait a minute. Don't don't miss this. The real problem is not this way. How many know that whenever there's a problem going on, the first thing that we focus on is you? I'm going to try to fix you. Um, I'm going to fix my child's behavior. I'm going to put you on punishment. I'm going to do all of these different types of things. And we're always focused this way, but not paying attention to the ones who's holding the, the, the strings behind it. He says, your real problem, listen, I'm going to try to lay this down. The real problem is not flesh and blood. You are dealing against a spiritual enemy. He says there, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. This is in the New Living Translation. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, I know y'all think that I done lost my mind, but see, here's one of those things. You can read the Bible for years and not get what he's saying. Remember what I'm saying. Our problem is not always you. We need to deal with you. We need to deal with the children, but you also got to deal with what's influencing the children. Watch this. See, the Bible says, watch this. The Bible says that there are spiritual things, and they're wrestling with us. Do you see that there? He says that they're, they're wrestling with you. They're, they're, they're pulling on you. You know, when you wrestle, you know, you get up in there. Everybody watch WW, what is it, WWF, WWE, WWE. They don't change it, whatever it was. And, you know, when they get in and they start wrestling, what they do? They all run around. They run around like this, and they run around. And then at the last minute, what do they do? Man, stop messing with my glasses. And they're wrestling and they're struggling with each other, right? Here's something I want you to see. I've said this, and I know sometimes it, takes, it, it may take a minute to get it. Everything that you see in the natural is being influenced first in the spiritual. 
I know that may not be easy. Everything that you see in the natural first is influenced in the spiritual. Okay. Let me give you an example. From the moment you wake up in the morning, when you sit up in your bed, from the moment you take that first step and stand up, there are at least three things trying to influence what you do. Three things. Listen, three things. From the moment you step up to the time you walk into your bathroom to the time you turn on the water to, to, to turn on the shower or to brush your teeth, there are at least three things that are trying to influence you, right? They're all spiritual. Watch this. Number one, we know that Satan is trying to influence what you do, right? Because the Bible just says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against all of these spirits. We're, we're, um, John, come here for a second. Come here for a second. I need, I need John. Come here for a second. Okay. No, no, no. Actually, you stay there because you're a better representation of something else. Yeah, just, no, 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 just come on, John. Come here, Robert. Come here for a second. Come here for a second. You stay right there. Come here. Come, come, come here for a second, bro. Come here. All right. Ain't nobody looking at how, how good you look. Tell Sandra to sit on down. Watch this now. Let me try to illustrate this. Here's Robert, okay? From the moment he wakes up, three things are trying to influence him. The Bible says that Satan and all of his spirits are trying to influence him. That's why I told John. <laughs> Come here, you boys. Stand up. Watch this. Wait a minute. Now, remember, it's not just Satan. It's evil rulers. It's spirits of wickedness. It's all of those things that he said. Watch this. And you know what they're doing? It says that they're wrestling with him. They're pulling on him. Don't, 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 don't. Watch this. Watch this. I'm trying to watch what's happening. So you have you in the middle, but there are things that are wrestling with you from the moment you wake up. You know how the enemy wrestles with you? He puts thoughts into the mind. Anybody know when you wake up in the morning, you know, everywhere you go, the enemy, see, and he'll do it, and you'll think that those thoughts are yours, and they're actually not your thoughts at all. You'll wake up and, and wake up out your bed and get up to go in the bathroom and see a cup on the, on the table that your husband left, and the enemy, Satan will come in and say, there, but he done pulled it up for me. You see that cup on the table right there? Didn't you tell your husband or uh, your thing? Didn't you tell your wife um, that we was gonna put stuff in the kitchen? You know what? I told I told her I was gonna put that thing and put that stuff in the kitchen. You know what? I wouldn't put up with that stuff if I was you. You know what? I'm getting tired of this mess around here. You know what? If she really respected you, she wouldn't do no mess like that. And you know what I would do? When she come in here, you the man of this house. You need to lay it down. You know what? God's turn it. Well, I am the man up in here. Watch that. And then Sandra walks in the room, and you jump on it, and then all the enemy do is do this. And let you all go. Watch this. Watch this. See, you think that it's you thinking that. Here's what I'm saying. The enemy puts thoughts into your mind. Wait a minute now. Hear what I'm saying. He's not making you do anything. You still make the decision of what it is that you do. 
What I'm saying is there is an influence on what you do. Man, I wonder what, I wonder what, uh, I wonder what, you know, before y'all got married or whatever, I'm, I had to put on Justin. Man, I wonder what Kiara doing. It's 10 o'clock at night. I wonder what Kiara doing right now. You know what? I wonder what Kiara is doing right now. You know what? Why don't you go up over there and see her? She's probably lonely. Man, you know what? I want to go up over there and see Kiara up over there where she's pretty lonely. Now, he wasn't thinking about that at all. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You walk into church, they're going so-and-so with that old hat on. You weren't thinking nothing about no hat. You know, Alberta back there praising again. It don't take all that. Watch this. And he'll, he'll, he'll wrestle with you. You in here trying to worship, and next thing you know, you'll be like, um, why her hairstyle like that? Her hair don't look good. And you be up there praying. Now you all out of worship. You now forgot everything that you're doing, and the enemy just sitting there feeding stuff in your mind. I can't hardly worship looking at all that she got on in her head. Her hair look a mess. Why she dressed like that? And he just feeding stuff in your ear, and it's pulling on you. Pulling, pulling, pulling. And it's seeking to influence you, influence your worship. And you'll think that it's you, which is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, it says that you have to cast down imaginations and thoughts and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You're, you're literally every day in warfare. Who do you think is reminding you about what your husband did last week and won't let you forget it? Come on, somebody. You're trying to move on, and he, he's steady bringing that stuff up. Okay, let me move on. So you got, you got Satan, and you got all of his enemies up over here pulling on you. Listen, but you got at least another one. Come in, low. Another thing that you got pulling at you is your flesh. How many of you know that this physical body will talk to you? The flesh has desires, and it's only desire. He don't care nothing about God. He don't care nothing about the devil. The only thing the flesh cares about is me, myself, and I. Watch it. And you know that the flesh will also pull on you. You know, the flesh will say, well, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing nothing today. Anybody ever been there before? I'm hungry. I'm hungry right now. Go ahead and feed me. How many know that your flesh will say, I'm horny? Boy, the amen's down, went down. Watch this. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Your flesh, your flesh will talk to you. Your flesh has needs. Here's what I'm saying. Satan knows what your flesh likes. And he will, he will tempt your flesh to pull on you for something else. Um, man, we know you're strong, man. You ain't got to pull him like that. <laughs> It'll pull on you too and say, you know what? I'm hungry right now. Stop thinking about church and let's go go to church's chicken. It'll pull on you right now and say, you know what? It's raining outside. We can't go to church today, man. I'm tired of sleep. It's Sunday, too. I deserve a weekend off. Come on, at least one. 
right? Watch this. Watch this. So you got you in the middle. You got him pulling on you. You got him pulling on you. He influencing the flesh. You know, the flesh, the, the flesh only thinks about itself. All right, guys. All right. Your flesh cares about itself. So Satan, you know, he, he'll bring something across your path to stimulate the flesh. So in other words, he'll bring a Coke in front of you. You'll be like, man, I sure am thirsty right now. It's not so much that you were thirsty. He just stimulated your flesh to do what he wanted it to do. Right? So you got the flesh. You got Satan and his gang. But then you also got the spirit. Come here, Greg. Watch this. Hear, hear what I'm saying? In every situation of life, every conflict, in every place you go, you got three trying to influence you. You have your spirit, which is in the heavenly places, which is trying to tell you what God says. So your spirit is trying to whisper to you, you know what, um, um, you can do all things through Christ. So you got Satan telling you what you can't do. Your spirit is trying to tell you. Anybody ever heard a voice that tries to tell you something from God? Your spirit will be there saying, don't slap her in the face right now. You know that's not what God would have you to do. Don't you go off on her. You know that's what you want to do, but God says don't do this. Your spirit will be the one telling you that God does love you, even though Satan says he doesn't love you. Watch this. And you in the middle being pulled by everybody. Everybody's trying to pull you. Watch this. Watch this. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Here's the issue. So with all of these different voices that's trying to get us to do something, what are we supposed to do? Go to the verse. James 4 and 7 says this. Go down. Go down. There. What does that say? Watch this. Watch this. Here's a key to spiritual warfare. Listen. He says, submit to God. <laughs> he says, submit to God. Resist the devil and that will make him flee from you. Listen, he says, submit to God. So in other words, you got all of these voices trying to get you to go do something. He says what you have to learn to do is submit to God. Watch this. But how many of you know it's difficult to hear God with all this noise going on? Wait a minute now. It's hard to hear God and follow God when you got the flesh pulling on you, when you got John, uh, not, uh, the devil and not John, the devil and everybody else pulling on you. Watch this. And when the devil come, he comes strong. He bringing the world. He bringing television. He bringing uh, 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 your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend. He bringing everybody. He bringing the whole game. And everybody's pulling at you trying to get you to do something. But he says, submit yourself to Watch this. How can you submit to God? In order to submit to God, you at first got to hear God, don't you? But how can you hear God with all this noise going on? See, the only way you can hear from God is you got to make some time to be alone with God. Watch this. And so sometimes what you have to do 
you have to pull your spirit. See, this is what I think when God says, go into your own prayer closet. See, the prayer closet is not necessarily a physical place where you go as much as it is. Sometimes you need to get by yourself so you can hear God. See, when you got all of this coming at you and you got the flesh coming at you, the only way that you can hear the voice of God is you got to get by yourself and get in some prayer time. Watch this. How many of you know that prayer is oftentimes the least thing that we have time to do? I'm trying to tell you, listen, I told you before we went out, you first got to spend time in prayer. Right. You, you heard me say that. Like you, you, you can't go out trying to witness somebody about the kingdom if you ain't first dealt with all this background noise that they got going on in their ears. You got to spend some time in prayer. And when you spend time in prayer, listen, then you can clearly hear what the voice of God is saying to you. Watch this. And he says, when you hear the voice of God, submit to it. So don't just hear it. He says, submit to it. So that means whatever God tells, listen, let me say it this way. You got to make, t- I'm talking to somebody, you got to make time daily to spend some time with God. You know why I'm saying that? Because 24 hours, seven days a week, these jokers right here are broadcasting all the time, trying to tell you what to do. And if you're not careful, you will never hear what God is telling you to do. Listen, you got to make time. I don't know who I'm talking to. If you're trying to hear from God, I don't care who you are, how successful you are, what's going on. You better make some time to talk to God or the enemy will come in and destroy your whole family. He'll destroy your children. He'll destroy your business. God would have warned you that morning. Here's what you need to do today. But you spend no time with me. You know, Jesus did that himself. Look, go, 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 go to go to the scripture, guys. What was the scripture? Notice what Jesus did. Even Jesus himself made time to pray. It says in Mark 135, now in the morning. How many know in the morning? I know I got some seasoned saints in here. In the morning is the best time to pray. Before your day gets started. Here's the thing. Because if you don't spend no time with God, you don't know what's coming in your day. But God does. He says, Jesus, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Come on, somebody. So you may not have time during the day to do it. How I many you know when you get during the day, you got all that stuff going on? Drama start. The kids need something. You get down at night. Oh, I'm going to pray at night. I'm going to pray tonight. Anybody try to pray at night before you go to bed? And you get in there and be like, <laughs> And you're praying to God and you ain't saying nothing. He says, Jesus got up a long while before daylight. He went out and departed to a why do you think he went to a solitary place? Because he needed to be quiet. And some of us got so much stuff going on to where you can't get quiet and hear God. Said he went to a solitary place and there he. You know why I think Jesus was praying? Because he wanted to find out what God wanted him to do the day where he, wherever he was going. He was saying, God, just order my steps and tell me what I need to do. 
Because until you hear God, you won't know what to do. He says, submit yourself to God. Then he says, resist the devil. He says, first, submit to God, hear God, obey God. To obey God means to come under his authority. He says, hear God, come under his authority, then resist the devil, and he will. Now, notice what he did not say. I got the quote. Notice he did not say, go to the devil and bust him in the mouth. Notice he didn't say, go to the devil, take off his chain, stomp on his neck, and, and body slam him and, and do all this other stuff. Can I tell you something? You will not find anywhere in the scripture where God ever tells you to go attack the devil at all. Ever. Do you know why? Because you can't beat the devil. Newsflash. Boy, I don't know why Christians be so super spiritual. If you saw the devil, you would run. The truth of the matter is. Do you know the Bible says that even Michael, the archangel, did not go and attack Satan himself? We don't have the power and authority to do that. He said, resist him. But you resist him. How do you resist him? In other words, I have heard from God. God said this. You say that. I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to what God said. Come on, somebody. So you hear from God and you don't move from what God has told you. See, oh, Satan up over there tell you that you're going to die. But God said, no, you shall live. Oh, Satan up over there tell you you're going to always be alone. And God said, no, 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 I got somebody coming down the pike for you. Satan will say that you broke, but God will say I'm meeting all of your needs. Listen, and everything that you see may look like you broke, but you got to stay steadfast on what God has said. Listen, and then he says, to resist means I'm just not going to move. I hear everything you're saying, but I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to stay whatever God says. I'm going to stay in place. I'm going to stay in position. I'm going to keep doing what God has told me to do. I know my life is a mess right now. And I know you've got some things that you're saying that may even look true. But God's word is truth. And if I stick with God, I know that he'll make a way, some kind of way for me to get out. He says, submit to God, resist him, and eventually, you know what he do? He gets so tired of talking and you ain't moving to where he'd be like, come on, boys, let's go ahead and go. We'll come back later. We'll come back and get him at another time. But you first submit to God, and then he flees. Listen, but then he also says one other thing that we need to do. If you look there in your Bibles, Ephesians, I think it's 10 or 11, he says, yes, y'all can sit down. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist the strategies or the schemes of the devil. Listen, there are some things, there's some armor, there's some, there's some equipment that we as believers are supposed to put on daily in order to help keep off the attacks of the evil one. Listen, and that's what we're going to start talking about next, not next week because I'm out of town. Pastor Sam will be ministering next week, and he's going to be bringing the word in power and in might. Amen. Can we give him a hand? Praise. And, and I have convinced him, you know, now that I'm the man in charge, now I, I go to him and tell him, no, nah, this is what you're going to do. I have spoken to him, and he's going to be talking on this same subject of spiritual warfare. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. His gift is different from mine. 
He's going to approach this way different than mine, so you don't want to miss what he's going to say. His gifting is different. He'll say the same thing, but he's going to say it in a totally different way of how I approach it. I approach it from, I, I have to, it has to be systematic for me. I have to start from point one, point two, point three, point four. He's already down here, and he's just trying to tell you where to go. I, I can't jump like that. I got to work my way to it. So he's going to be bringing the word next week. But when I get back, we're going to be talking about this armor. The Bible says that there's certain armor that we're supposed to wear every day. And when you wear that armor, you're able to resist the enemy when he comes. Amen. Y'all give God a hand. Praise this morning.